Hello, welcome to my intermittent fasting journal, episode 30. I just realized that I did not put my um, updates in the outline here for the group. So I will put that in later. But those of you who are watching it on YouTube or watching it at the blog, um, you will see my update. And so basically, my update is that it has been 10 months since my husband and I began intermittent fasting together. And uh, we have lost a total of over 100 pounds together. So uh, I think he is at 85 and I am at 20, 21 and uh, for the 10 months. And I have 20, 19 to 20 pounds remaining and he to my goal and he has 25 pounds remaining to his goal. So we are getting there. I don't know if we're going to make it by Christmas, by our one year I kind of started at the end of October last year, and then he joined me the first of December. So um, I'm just calling our one-year anniversary will be December. Um, we're definitely going to be very close. We will definitely both be within 10 pounds of our goal by the time we are at the one-year mark. And, of course, I've been losing weight prior to that um, for 12 years, basically. <laughs> but now we are heading towards our goal weight. So that's super, super exciting. I am also very excited to be on here today uh, to tell you about ghrelin. Uh, today's topic is the hormone ghrelin, and everything you that I know about it, I'm going to tell you. I know there's a lot more out there that I probably don't know, but remember, I'm a teacher who learns and learns and learns, and then I teach you anything that I'm learning. Um, and then next week, episode 31, is going to be how to deal with hunger. Um, and I don't know if it's just going to be uh, like what you can consume and what you can do, or if it's going to, if I'm going to branch out into um, different types of coping techniques. Because every time I think I'm going to have a broadcast about a certain topic, I start doing my outline and it gets too long. Like this was supposed to be ghrelin and how to combat it. But you know, anyway, <laughs> I always have more information and I, this has been my problem as a teacher my entire adult life. <laughs> and so that's good though. It's good to have too much information rather than not enough. So uh, you can count on me always having a lot of information for you. So uh, today's broadcast is going to be about the growling ghrelin gremlins. Now, um, I will say just as we're waiting for some people to join us here uh, that, um, the uh, course is coming again October 8th. So right now it is uh, September 29th. So that gives you another week yet if you would like to sign up for my intermittent fasting course for October. And um, there, uh, I'll put the discount code in and so forth so that you can hop on and get a discount uh, during the October uh, month. And it starts October 8th and it is uh, one month long. And I like to say that it is a month to learn it and a lifetime to live it. So if you join the course, you will be helped throughout that first month how to get to your goal, how to make it through those hangries at the beginning, how to get through hunger, how to set your fast up, how to get to your fasting goal by the end of the month. So I will be there every step of the way with videos every day teaching you about fasting. You have it, it's an online course platform. So you go into the platform each day and you watch the 30 minute video outlines, handouts, and so forth. As a matter of fact, I have one of them here. This is for our ghrelin, one, one is ghrelin day and one is leptin day. 
And so this is one of the, um, if you're watching, if you're listening to this on, I, on iTunes, you won't be able to see it, but uh, you can also go to DonnaReach.com and see the outline, the handouts, everything, anything that I have is also at the blog. So this right here is our uh, handout that goes with our ghrelin and our leptin day. So you can see that we have a little growling ghrelin gremlin here for ghrelin, which is what we're talking about today. And then we have the leveling leptin leprechaun over there because you're lucky if your leptin is high and you're even luckier if you can hear the signals of leptin. So stay, stay with me because in the coming weeks I'll be doing leptin as well here on the podcast, broadcast, videocast. So anyway, this is just a cute little graphic that we use in the course. In addition to the course, I still have two more free webinars next week um, available. So you can click on the link there to sign up for one of those dates. It's a one hour long webinar answering 10 intermittent fasting questions. So your 10 questions answered there in a free one hour webinar. So that can also be a big help if you're just starting out on your journey or you have um, some of the common questions that are asked. So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into ghrelin. First of all, what is ghrelin? Ghrelin is a uh, hormone that is produced in and released from the gut. Um, it is uh, um, it also comes in smaller amounts from the pancreas and the brain, but it's primarily thought of as a gut hormone, as in your stomach, not your intestines. Uh, it controls appetite. And when your stomach is empty, ghrelin is released to tell you that you are hungry. And that is why we call it the growling ghrelin gremlin, uh, because we don't like gremlins and uh, ghrelin growls. And we don't want that. Um, well, I won't say that we don't want that, but when we're trying to learn how to fast, it can be very, very difficult. There are some reasons why we might want ghrelin, so stay with me. All right, so uh, when the stomach is empty, it's released to tell you that you're hungry, and of course, that stomach growling is associated with ghrelin. One funny thing about fasting is that um, ghrelin can be trained, so that's interesting too. It can be trained through intermittent fasting. And so as time goes on, you actually don't feel the effects of ghrelin very much. And that's why we always say fast for two to three weeks. You will, you will control your hormones. You'll control your insulin. You'll control your ghrelin, your leptin, and so forth. And then you will be able to fast without having so much difficulty of hunger. And that is because you train the hormone. I'm going to teach more about that next week and what to do about ghrelin and how to control your hunger and so forth. But for us here today, um, we need to understand that it is something that is released in the stomach, but that we can kind of curb and kind of control a little bit through through what through exercise, through sleep, through foods, through drinks, and so forth. And that's what I'm going to teach next week. Um, so it, ghrelin also has roles in growth hormones insulin secretion, GI motility, just moving things through the GI tract, blood pressure, and more. Um, so ghrelin is actually quite interesting, the path that it takes, because we have a tendency to think that um, all of our hunger is in our stomach, whereas that is actually just where it begins. So ghrelin's path is that it is released in the top of the stomach in the area known as the fundus. See, I'm feeling so um, biological here. My science kids 
and my husband, who's a science teacher, and my daughter, who's a nurse and a science teacher, they'd be so proud of me. So anyway, um, I'm language lady. So, all right, so it's released from the top of the stomach, which is the fundus, when the stomach is empty or near empty. And then it goes through the blood and up to the brain, actually specifically to the hypothalamus. And then it tells the brain, it tells the hypothalamus that you need food, energy, fuel, you know, that there's nothing in the stomach. And that's why we can sometimes trick it. And then through fasting, we can also control it. Since it's a hormone, we can control it through fasting. Since it is released in the gut, we can control it through gut things like water and so forth. So um, it tells the brain that you need few, food, fuel, energy, and then it tells other hormones and the rest of the body that you that you, to eat. And so then you need to eat, right? And um, it is very, uh, very, um, can be very invasive, right? And especially in the first two to three weeks of fasting before we have trained our hormones and before we have learned techniques. So um, I really hope you'll join me in episode 31 because there are a lot of things that we can do so that the first two or three weeks do not have to be so miserable. And that's one reason why I really wanted to do my course because I truly believe in my little mantra, uh, a, life, a month to learn it, a lifetime to live it. Because I honestly believe that if you can get that first month, you can do this forever. It's, it's not... It, you know, I say that intermittent fasting is, you know, upside down compared to other weight loss protocols. Other weight loss protocols, you go into it, you start in, and you are excited. You clean out all the food in your pantry, and you put in all new food that meets your new diet, that meets your new restrictions. And you get a group, you know, or groups, and you are excited, and you feel like you can do this. Um and it doesn't even feel like you can't do it forever at first because you learn tricks and you learn how to cook differently and you learn some things that satisfy you. I can remember this when I was really teaching low carb a lot at my blog. You know, I was getting some tricks and tips and I could get that, you know, that cream cheese dessert base. That was like the basis of my life. Unfortunately, I mean, cream cheese should not be the basis of your life, but when you're low carbing and you don't like a lot of other things, unfortunately, that can happen. So, you know, I became, you know, we become where we think this is it. We can really do this. And at first, it's a little bit fun to do those those other protocols because we're learning and we have camaraderie and we uh, you know, learn how to do things and we buy the right foods and we've emptied our refrigerators and cupboards of the old foods and so forth. And so at first, they're not so bad. And then two, three, four weeks in, we're just like, you know, I miss my grandson's birthday party because I was bringing my own, you know, fat, carb-free, sugar-free banana muffin. Well, not banana because that would be low-carb. Um, zucchini muffin and you know I, I i missed out on you know that festivity or you know a pizza night i ate the pizza toppings off of the family's pizza and then all of a sudden we feel like this isn't something i can do forever intermittent fasting is exactly the opposite it's very difficult at first because we are so out of whack our hormones are so out of whack our insulin is high and it's spiked all the time and our um ghrelin is not trained and our leptin is we don't hear the leptin signals and you know we have all of these issues that we 
are going to resolve with fasting, but they're not resolved yet. And then we also have the whole problem of, um, of, uh, the hungries, the hangries, right? At first. And so intermittent fasting is actually difficult at first, but then two or three or four weeks in, you have so many freedoms. Your hunger hormones are trained. You've learned what to do with growling, growling, growling gremlins. And then all of a sudden you're like, I can do this for the rest of my life. So it is often the opposite, like upside down from other weight loss protocols. And so if we can get through those first two, three, four weeks, then we can see how this can really be a lifestyle. Whereas maybe our other thing that we started out excited and optimistic about, we do not feel like that can be a lifestyle forever. <clears throat> so that is Grelin's path. Starts in the stomach, the top of the stomach, and then travels through the bloodstream. So because of that, it is um, affected by what is in the stomach. And so that's why we can really use a lot of tricks to help with ghrelin, even for satiation during our eating window. So that's really cool. I have a lot of ideas for that. All right. So then other ghrelin info. Um, not only does ghrelin get released from the fundus and then travel to the bloodstream to the hypothalamus, this is super interesting in that it also acts on the hippocampus. And the hippocampus is what is responsible for memory. So I don't really know a lot about anatomy, but I do know that the hypothalamus has to do with telling your body you're hungry, and the hippocampus has more to do with memories and things like that. So when uh, ghrelin reaches the hippocampus, it creates new neurons, new memories, and strengthens the connections between the existing neurons. So this is super, super interesting and actually really uh, being researched right now more and more in the area as this ghrelin going up to the hippocampus and as it relates to the cognitive and nerve diseases such as Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, we can even say what effect does this have on things like restless leg syndrome? What effect does this have on things like, um, um, you know, autism? and the autism spectrum, what effect, and this is all being researched. So it's so exciting because can we actually ward off, you know, we know that through autophagy, we really aid in disease prevention. But with this, it's like, can we really ward off neurological and cognitive issues just through doing nothing? I mean, seriously, when we have been told to do so many things right, isn't it so refreshing that we have the opportunity, the potential to affect these things that we formerly thought we had to do so many things right in order to affect. And here, kind of find out if we just don't do anything, sometimes we can affect it. So um, this hunger then, this ghrelin is actually making us better at creating new memories and learning. So I, I'm going to keep my eye on this as an educator. You know, most of you know that I've written 100 language arts books and I test them. Uh, we test them with 75 students. We have like 175 students in all of our programs. We're, pri we're a private teaching company in Fort Wayne, Indiana for homeschoolers and then also private tutoring for school school or brick and mortar school children. And so I'm, as an educator, you know, my ma undergraduate is in elementary education. My master's work is in reading uh, specialist. So I'm just like, 
okay, what can this, what, what is the effect on this? I mean, and those of you as, as parents, you know, I would really, really keep an eye on this research because what if we were force feeding and I'm not telling you to make your kids fast. I think everything needs to be run through your doctor. I'm, I'm a big fan of doctors actually, because I, I had my life saved through a doctor when my uterus ruptured. So, I mean, I'm just, I'm not like anti-doctor or anything like that. Um, so I definitely think you need your doctor's input for anything, but you know, they're finding more and more about keto and its effect on, um, epilepsy and seizures. And so what if this ghrelin research as it unfolds in the coming years shows us that maybe force feeding kids so much isn't the answer. So anyway, again, I'm not telling you to do anything with your kids except take them to the doctor and get your doctor's, your pediatrician's approval on anything you want to try with your children. They should not be our experiments. All right. <laughs> okay. But I think that we should watch the research. I think that we should, you know, pay attention to that because um, not only for our children's learning and ADD and, uh, you know, uh, cognitive development and cognitive uh, success. I mean, seriously, we want our kids to succeed in school. We want them to be successful. So anyway, that research is there. The, the interesting thing is that um, ghrelin has only been found like 10 years ago. And so all research is very, very, very new. So, you know, you can't, there, there are books out there about the links to keto and autism and keto to um, ADD, uh, keto to um, epilepsy and seizures and other cognitive disorders. And, um, you know, I would, I, if I had small children, I would be all about that, <laughs> all about that research. But it's only been, ghrelin has only been found 10 years ago. So all the research is new. So they're finding out new things all the time about it. So that's really interesting. All right. So another thing which is not so great for those of us who are trying to ward off hunger and not feel the hangries is that recent research suggests, like more, like really, really recent, suggests that uh, we can cause ghrelin to be released simply by looking at pictures of food. So that's kind of a bummer, right? <laughs> Especially those of you who are parents who have to cook all the time because it is, we are, they've already proven that it's released through the smells of food. And of course, that is exactly why our, you know, our ghrelin will start to really act up when we walk through the opening of the steakhouse right? Or we drive through and Burger King has all that smells of that charbroiled, those charbroiled burgers being released into the environment. And we're like, oh my word, I'm so hungry. And maybe we weren't that hungry until we smelled that. But recent research is suggesting that we can see food or see pictures of food and it can cause us to be hungry. And the reason I feel really badly for parents in this realm is because they have to cook all the time for kids. They have to pack kids' as lunches. They have to make kids breakfast and, you know, so forth. And so that all is really, really, um, you know, a problem with ghrelin release, which might be one of the reasons why childbearing women shouldn't fast as long, right? Maybe they should do more like 16-8 or 17-7, or 18.6. There's my math again. So um, anyway, because maybe that's maybe feeding kids is a part of all of that. It's just so interesting. I love how 
I love to learn. <laughs> and I love teaching too. So thank you for joining me. All right. So um, yeah, that is the problem for us empty nesters even is shopping while we're fasting, uh, looking at magazines. One of my things is I like to go get a pedicure during my fast. Um, like once a month or every, well, usually about every other month. But anyway, I like to go get a pedicure and sit there and look at magazines. It's like, you know, if you know me, you know, I'm tendency towards workaholicism. And so that just like makes me calm down and makes me set, makes me stop working for a while and stop being, I can be frantic and kind of hyper. And so that helps with that. Um, but you know, if we're sitting there looking at food, our ghrelin is being released potentially. So um, that could be a problem. And of course, watching cooking shows could also be a problem. All right. So when is ghrelin released? <clears throat> and um, it is released, obviously, when the stomach is empty. Okay. So that has to do with distensibility, which is going to come into play in just a minute here too. But it also is released during low blood sugar times. So that's why we are trying to purposely bring our insulin levels down. We want our insulin levels to be down so that our glucagon is up, so that insulin is fat storing, take it down. Glucagon is fat burning, bring it up. So we want this to be happening, but yet when our insulin goes down, we release ghrelin, <laughs> okay, right? Because um, when our insulin is low, we're hungry, right? And that is why people eat every two to three hours and they spike their insulin continuously, um, because there's never a break in their insulin. Low weight can also cause um, ghrelin, like needing to gain weight. And then, of course, fasting uh, also releases ghrelin because we're going without food um, or any period of time or a long time since our last meal uh, can also cause it. So all of those things cause ghrelin to be released. Again, it's at the top of the stomach. It's released, goes to the bloodstream, gets to the brain. So stomach distension, stomach distensibility. I've talked about stomach distensibility in other videos a lot, and I talk about it in the course a lot as well. And that is uh, that when the stomach is empty, there's no distensibility. So it's not, you know, it's not stretched out. So you think about Thanksgiving dinner, and you think about how when you eat so much food on Thanksgiving, your stomach just gets so full and you feel miserable. Okay, we are stretching our stomach beyond, you know, what it, what it should be stretched. So when we overeat continuously, not just at Thanksgiving, but when we overeat all the time, we just stretch our stomach, stretch our stomach, stretch our stomach. And then guess what? Ghrelin um, is going to be released when that wide stomach is not as full or doesn't have as much food. Sometimes it doesn't have to be completely empty for ghrelin to be released. And so this is a really good reason to fast, actually. And so with in this regard, when we fast, we shrink our stomach because it's not being distended for 16 18, 19 hours a day, depending on how much you fast. So during that fasting time, your stomach is not being expanded. It's not being distended. And so distendability comes from the word distend. And I'm a language lady, and I talk a lot about words. <laughs> Every day, that's what I do with my kids. So um, we distend it. We expand it, right? So if we go without food, we are shrinking it. So the fast is actually shrinking the stomach. And then guess what? It doesn't take as much food to fill it up 
And so that is helps with ghrelin because it doesn't take as much food to fill it up. We are actually um, eating a smaller amount before the stomach is full and ghrelin is turned off. So in that way, fasting is actually uh, an impetus to, um, to ghrelin being calmed down. So shrinking our stomachs is a good thing. Okay, now sometimes ghrelin overrides stomach distension. And I didn't really understand exactly when this is. Um, I'm still researching it for you, so I'm always gonna come back and tell you more. But the way I understand it, because other things also cause this uh, ghrelin to be released, so it's, you know, it's not just the empty stomach, it can be you know, our, our insulin being low, it can be being under body weight, um, uh, ghrelin um, can be released more during stressful times. So obviously it can be re released less during le le under stressful times or chill times, okay? So um, we can actually, it can override the distensibility. But the distensibility is definitely the primary way because that is where, because it's released in the stomach. So the distensibility is definitely the, the most that it is, but sometimes ghrelin overrides distensibility. All right, um, ghrelin rises before meals and falls after meals. So again, we want that ghrelin to stop being released when we are eating. And if we have a smaller stomach, it won't take as much before ghrelin will turn off. Uh, ghrelin is very sensitive to food intake. So because of that, anytime you decrease your food, ghrelin is going to rise. Now this is... Uh, happens during fasting too, right? The, the, the small amount of food. So if we eat six times a day, eight times a day, and we eat smaller amounts, the ghrelin is not going to be calm for very long because we didn't put much in to our stomach. But the same thing happens with fasting in that we have the stomach empty. But stick with me because it doesn't just keep getting worse and worse and worse all throughout the fast. Whereas on the flip side, when we eat frequently, ghrelin can go down a little bit. But then, of course, insulin spikes again and we need fed again because we're burning sugar. We're sugar burners during the frequent meal protocol. So in that regard, ghrelin is actually going to be released a lot when we eat frequently because we're not filling our stomachs very full. So as soon as it starts to get low again, which will happen quickly because we didn't put much in it, then ghrelin will be released again. All right, so um, it's whenever we have a reduced calorie intake, it's going to be released because again, the stomach isn't very full. The same thing is happening with fasting, but that's okay for fasting because we can get it under control and we can control, we can uh, train it as a hormone, just a minute. All right, so it is released at typical meal times. Now this is more affected by fasting than it is the six meal a day protocol. Six meal a day protocol, you really just barely give it a chance to be emptied and you didn't put much food in, so it's up again and it's, and it's released again, it's released again, it's released again because of the low volume that you've put into your stomach. Whereas with intermittent fasting, uh, ghrelin is going to be released at typical meal times, and they call this clock hunger. I've talked about this when I talked about um, 
Bert Herring, Dr. Bert Herring's book, Appetite Correction, AC, Appetite Correction, uh, because ghrelin is one of the hormones that is responsible for appetite correction. It all works together, the, the insulin, the um, human growth hormone, the uh, um, um, leptin, ghrelin, it all works together in this perfect storm to create appetite correction. So clock hunger means that we are going to get hungry, ghrelin is going to be released at the same time as what we ate the day before, or the same time of day that our body is used to um, eating. And so um, this concept is super important. Well, it's super important for a number of reasons, but one reason it's super important is because this is where cheat days come into play. And uh, this is uh, why I personally fast as long as I can on special occasions. I don't look at Saturday. If I have a special thing on Saturday that's at noon or a special thing on Sunday that's at noon, I'll eat. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm going to change my window around to fit that. But if I don't have anything that would cause me to need to eat earlier uh, on weekends, I don't consider weekends to be special in that way. Um, I talked about this before too, how, you know, every day is special, but every day can't be a special day. So in other words, we can't just say, well, it's Saturday, so I need to eat all day. It's Sunday, I need to eat all day. We need to instead base our specialness on the occasion. So not the day on the calendar, but the things that we've written on the calendar. How about that? Hey, I've never used that before, I like that. So it's not based on the date on the calendar, but it's based on what you've pinned into the calendar. Because I, I pin in all my special occasions, right? You guys pin in all your special occasions. So, you know, the kids are coming. We're having this party. We're doing this. I have seven kids. Everything's a big party around here. And so um, that is a special occasion when I alter my window. But I don't alter it just because of where it falls on the calendar. And the reason is because of this. Because I have found that if I say the old diet mentality it's Friday, I need to eat sooner. It's Saturday, I need to eat all day. It's Sunday, I need to eat all day. Well, for one thing, you're not gonna lose weight if you continually go off and on a fasting. We know that to be true. Just like without consistency in anything, we're not going to succeed. But also, it's important to note that we, when we do that, we set ourselves up. The reason I don't like to do that on weekends specifically is because Mondays and Tuesdays are harder because now we have that clock hunger reset. Now, I don't want you to think that this doesn't mean that intermittent fasting is flexible because it is so flexible. Um, next month we'll go to Disney World. I'll eat two meals every single day. I'll probably eat like from 11 to seven, just about every day. And I'll have a 16-8 protocol throughout my entire trip. But when I get back, I know I'm gonna have some rough days because of clock hunger, because ghrelin is going to be released as soon as I started eating my amazing meal at Disney World. And the same thing happens on Monday after we've eaten early in the day on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So move your window around as needed. I always do that and I, I have taught that in previous episodes how to exactly move your window around and, and prepare for special occasions because intermittent fasting is so flexible. But don't take advantage of that flexibility to the point where on the other end it causes distress. And so 
Ghrelin is going to be increased and released according to clock hunger, following vacations, weekends off of fasting, and so forth. And so if every Monday is difficult for you, it is because, probably is because you have eaten too early in the day, maybe unnecessarily on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, or Saturday and Sunday, or whatever. And so a lot of times I will, you know, just move my window around so that I'm ready to start eating at like one on Saturday and ready to start eating at 12 on Sunday. And I'll just keep tweaking it. But then come Sunday night, I'm done at 5 p.m. And then I'm ready to, to fast and get back into it. And I don't have, I mean, I'm always fasting, but I'm ready. I'm not eating throughout any time after five on that because I had an earlier window. And so a clock hunger is a very real thing, and it is a, a, a trigger for ghrelin. All right, ghrelin is also released about three hours after your last meal. And this is why we say that ghrelin comes in waves, waves of hunger. And this, is, this alone can actually change your entire outlook on your first few weeks of fasting. And that is that it's going to come in waves, usually associated with your last, with your meal times yesterday or in the previous days leading up to this. And it is going to be um, there for 10 minutes. And so one of the things I teach in the course is that when you have hunger coming, now I'm not talking about debilitating, sickening hunger that, that you need to just start fasting with shorter fasting windows. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about, oh, my stomach is growling again. You know, I'm getting hungry. You know, I hate hunger kind of thing. When it happens, first of all, remember about how much it's doing for your brain. Say, oh, going up to my hippocampus and make me smarter. And then also realize, set the timer, 10 minutes, go do something. Go do something for 10 minutes, far away from the kitchen, far away from food, so forth, that will cause you to make those 10 minutes pass and you will not even think about the fact that you're hungry then. Um, and then the 10 minutes, it'll be gone. So um, ghrelin is not released more and more as time goes on. So a lot of times we say like, oh my word, by three o'clock, I was absolutely starving. Probably you were starving, you were really hungry at 10 or 11, or what, 12, whatever your clock hunger indicated, and then you were hungry again at three. If you had waited another 10 minutes and let it pass, you probably would have been okay again until six. I'm not advocating that you just do that all the time. I don't think we just need to fast crazily for no reason, but I'm just saying that it's not released more and more and more as time goes on. And this is why you hear people who are doing extended fasts say that after three days, they are fine. I'm not an extended faster because those first three days are so hard. But um, they say after the first three days, they are fine, and they don't even really have a lot of ghrelin released. They don't have a lot of hunger. And that is because now they've had three days of no clock of no meals. So by the fourth day, they don't have that clock hunger anymore. So um, that is how people do extended fasts. And that's why they say they were fine on day fours, five, six, seven. Some people are usually under doctor supervision. And I definitely do not advocate it um, because I don't know enough about it to teach it. So you need to get doctor supervision for that. But that is why, because it's not released more and more as time goes on. Ghrelin is lowest in the mornings. 
So fasting will likely be easier in the mornings than it is in the evenings. Um, and this is also another good case for why ghrelin doesn't just get worse and worse and worse. Because technically, if it's you get up at 7 in the morning and you haven't eaten since 7 the night before, that's 12 hours. If ghrelin just got worse and worse and worse and worse and worse as time went on, you should be famished at 7 a.m. If you're famished three hours after a typical meal, right? But ghrelin is lowest in the morning. So this is a good case for that. Again, it's not just increased over and over and over, making you tear up, making you feel terrible. Instead, it is released at certain times and lasts for 10 minutes. Um, so another thing that's important to note about ghrelin, and this is why this is a two-part series, what to do about it next week. But um, another thing that's important to note about ghrelin is that as we lose weight, we automatically decrease our calories that we need. We decrease our needed calories. So um, this lower calories, food not lasting as long, is going to cause ghrelin to be released. So those of you who maybe are like within the last 10 pounds to your goal or something like that, you may be surprised to see that as your caloric intake decreased um, because your body didn't need as much and you're more in tune with your body and more in tune, or maybe you're counting something by this point, but if not, you can just be more in tune with your body, you're controlling hormones and so forth. So you decreased your calories because your need decreased. Um, and so because of that, you're eating less and so ghrelin might be more, might rear its ugly head more frequently because you're not eating as much. Remember, it's, it's increased through, ghrelin is released through lower calories, lower body weight, so forth as well. Now, as we lower our body weight, our bodies require fewer calories. So for an example of this, it's said, and you can use online calculators, and I talked about this in, in the last three podcasts, actually, video cast, broadcast, actually, um, TDEE, your daily, total daily energy expenditure. So as you, you lower your body weight, you decrease your caloric need. And that is why I say over and over and over again, whatever you're doing when you reach your goal weight is pretty much what you're going to have to do to maintain that goal weight. In other words, we can't just up our calories now that we're at our goal weight. We can't just up our food intake. Um, and so we pretty much have to eat at that same thing. But for example, it's estimated that we need 10 to 12 calories per pound of body weight. Now there's nothing that's exact and calories in, calories out is not an exact science. And if you take my course, you'll learn in the calories in, calories out game, how this huge effects that we can have on calories in, calories out. Once, you know, in addition to whatever our calorie intake is, we have all these other effects to it. But let's just go with this example. Let's say it's 10 because, you know, I'm not mathematical mama. So if we are going with that and we lose 10 pounds, we need 100 fewer calories to maintain that loss. Now, one of the things that I think that this can really help us as intermittent fasters and as learners to understand is that, we have to be sure that we consider this calorie decrease, calorie energy lessening need, um, when we uh, 
are looking at research studies. So when studies say, well, they, you know, decrease their metabolism by 300 calories a day, 300 calories a day is what you would decrease your metabolism by if you lost 30 pounds. So if a person, if, if the only thing that the study is saying is that this person lost 30 pounds and had a decrease in metabolism of 30 pounds, 300 calories, then it's not caused by um, lowering its calories. You know, it's caused by a lower body weight. We all need fewer calories the smaller we are. Again, that's why it's important that our calorie intake matches our weight as we go down. Um, and that is why it's so difficult to lose the last 10 to 20 pounds because we have to go down in our consumption. And a lot of times we're not willing to or we're not aware of that or, um, you know, we don't want to. I mean, a lot of times, I mean, who wants to? I'm looking at the last 21 pounds going, just to my husband yesterday, I was just like, wow. I'm doing a lot already, <laughs> you know, so we can feel that way definitely as we get closer to our goal. So we need to just keep that in mind when we're looking at research. If a person lost 30 pounds, but like in the big loser study, you know, lost 30 pounds, but then his metabolism went down 700 calories a day, then that is a defective metabolism. He has done something to harm his metabolism. But if he went down 300 calories, he hasn't harmed his metabolism. He just lost 30 pounds. Anyway, something to consider. So when we lose weight, when this happens, we might need to turn to more filling foods in order to satisfy ghrelin while still eating the amount of food we need. So I'm going to talk about that next week. I'm going to talk about filling the stomach up, you know, decreasing ghrelin, tricking ghrelin, controlling hormones, all those kind of things. I'm going to talk about that next week when I talk about how we can control ghrelin in part two, I guess you would call it, of this. So this is the take on ghrelin. It is really interesting to note and really good to know. I say all the time that knowledge is power. And so we have to understand that when we learn more and more about our bodies, more about hormones, more about what's happening to us as we fast, the more successful we will be. So keep learning all the time. And the same thing that when we look at ghrelin specifically, you know, if we don't understand, and we're in the first couple of weeks of fasting, we don't understand that ghrelin goes away and then comes back in another wave in two or three or four hours, then we can just give in at, you know, 10 in the morning. But when we understand, you know what, I know what's happening here. I can do this. I can make it through this. It's okay because I understand mentally what is going on. And then next week, I know how to control it then we are going to be so much more successful. So keep learning, keep growing, keep understanding more and more and more about what's happening to your bodies. Thank you so much for joining me for this broadcast about growling ghrelin gremlins. And if you want to learn more about Plexus Slim, I'm going to be talking about that during our sponsored part mm -hmm. of the broadcast. So you can stay on or you can hop off. You don't need my course. You don't need supplements too fast. But I can tell you right now, they both help a lot. So if you want to take my course, I'd love to see you in my classroom. Um, free webinar two more times next week. And now I'm going to switch gears and talk about uh, some a plant-based supplement that Plexus offers and how it has helped me with fasting and with weight management 
and with cravings and many more things. So you can stay on if you want to learn about that. Thanks for joining me. All right, I am going to talk about the pink drink. I'm talking about, I've talked about this in other broadcasts, but I'm going to talk about it specifically today because it has a lot to do with hunger. So that's why it's a good topic for today. So um, I just really, this is not how much it makes. It really makes um, however much you want. This is very diluted, uh, but this is just uh, shows you kind of what it looks like. It's very pretty. It's pink. Um, I make it in my Contigo, uh, Contigo water bottle. Um, I uh, just put it in here. It comes like this. I shake it up and I drink it. So I'm going to tell you all about this for the next uh, five or six minutes. So here we go. There are two Plexa Slim formulas. It's also called the pink drink. There are two formulas and one of them is the XOS, which is the prebiotic formula. This is also called the gut health formula. And the other one is bigger, the packaging is bigger, and it is the HC, or the hunger control pink drink, the hunger control slam. You can also see the differences here in the size of the packaging, the, the individual packages. That's why the hunger control is a bigger package. And you're going to find out why in just a little bit, a little bit more about that. But this one is smaller, and this one is bigger because of the fiber. The first thing that you need to know about both Plexus Slim drinks, the pink drinks, is that they are identical in ingredients except for one thing. So this is really helpful when it comes to understanding all the other ingredients besides the fiber. But the only difference between the uh, prebiotic formula, the XOS, which is um, a prebiotic, um, the, this is what they call the gut health one, although which is really funny because this uh, elicits a prebiotic reaction, so it is also good for your, it's it, good for your gut health too. But the difference between these two is the fiber. This one has the same ingredients as this one, except this one has XOS as its fiber, and I'll talk about that another time, and this one has, um, uh, sorry, has um, a different fiber. This one has an appetite suppressing fiber in it. So the fiber is called, I don't know why I just left that, polydextrose. The fiber is called polydextrose and it takes up more space than the XOS fiber does. All right, so here we go. Two formulas, so on and so forth. The other one, I will talk about another time, the XOS, and it is good for people who um, do not need to lose weight. If you want to, um, with your pediatrician's approval, put your child on it for clarity, for um, hyperness, that type of thing, for chilling, for anxiety, um, you can do that with your pediatrician's approval only. We don't recommend it for kids ourselves because we're not um, medical personnel, but um, that is that would be a use for that. Would be to somebody who doesn't need to lose weight, doesn't need to control their food intake, um, because this fiber is so strong in the um, hunger control one, the HC Slim. It's so strong in here that we don't recommend this for anybody who does not need to control their food intake. So anyway, here we go. The benefits of Slim. First of all, it has a lot of clinical studies associated with it. And that's important to note because um, you want to be sure that whatever you're taking has been clinically studied through an unbiased, third-party, blind, placebo, you know, blind, double-blind study with the placebo and then the, the real product. 
um, so that you it's not done in house like it needs to be done by a third party. So um, that is good. It's clinically demonstrated to help you lose weight. Second of all, this one will help you, and you'll see when I get into the ingredients, will help you with hunger, helps you feel full. It fills up the stomach, again, helping with that distensibility um, so that you don't eat as much. There are people who uh, do intermittent fasting, and I'll just throw this out there because you, there are other ways you can get fiber. You can take, um, you can take a fiber supplement, like the kind that you mix into water. You can um, uh, take psyllium, psyllium husk, is like a natural fiber. This is a natural fiber, polydextrose. Um, some of the ones that you buy over the counter that you mix into water may have some questionable ingredients in them. Psyllium husk is 100% fiber, um, but good luck getting it down. <laughs> it tastes very bad. But, you know, it does fill your stomach up. Both the over-the-counter fibers, you know, that you stir into water and it dissolves, um, no taste. The psyllium husk, which has strong taste. Um, this polydextrose that's in this, it all does the same thing. It fills up your stomach, which helps with hunger. And um, it also, as a, a, as a whole, supports healthy glucose metabolism. So it's going to help you with... Um, your blood sugar balancing, insulin spikes, and so forth. All right, so the details. It is this pretty pink color. It is delicious. Um, it mixes much like Crystal Light or something like that, and really easy to mix in a water bottle like this with some ice. Um, you don't need a blender, a shaker, anything like that. You can actually just stir it with your spoon um, in, your, in your water glass as well. Um, there are only two net carbs per serving in the Hunger Control Slim. So I'm going to talk about that in just a little bit when I talk about how you can utilize it with fasting. Uh, but there are only two net carbs because the fiber is subtracted. So it only has two net carbs outside of the fiber. Um, and that's good to know because of... Um, if you want to use it during your fast. It comes in 30 uh, single-serve packets in here. There are 30 of these little packets, and uh, that's convenient. You can stick this down your purse. You can take it with you on the go. It's very convenient. It has an orange lemon-lime flavor. It does not have any artificial sweeteners or flavors, and it is gluten-free, 100% vegetarian, and non-GMO. Um, so it's it, all the Plexus products are plant-derived, so they're all plant-based, non-GMO, so forth, non-caffeinated. Um, it is the equivalent of one cup of decaf coffee. They have, they can't, they say that we should say that there could be trace caffeine in it, but it's never had any caffeine in it when it's been tested. The reason is because it has um, green coffee bean extract, and there's always a possibility some caffeine got into it from that, but we say that it's the equivalent of one cup of decaf coffee. So if you can drink decaf coffee, you can drink this. Um, when to take it for fasters. You can take, um, I'm going to get into all the ingredients at the very end here, but uh, you can take it during the fast if you don't sense an insulin spike and it doesn't cause hunger. So fiber will fill up the stomach and cause your hunger to go away, like immediately, actually. Um, but it does have two grams of carbs. So it's not too much more caloric or carby than a cup of coffee, for example, which has trace carbs and trace calories in it. But you do need to play around with it 
because of the sweet taste. Most research suggests that stevia, uh, when it's derived directly from the plant and, um, you know, filtered in a um, healthy way, does not spike insulin. So, um, you know, you'll want to play around with it for yourself because you should never consume anything during your fast that causes you, your insulin to spike to such a level that you get hungry. If it causes your insulin to spike at such a level that you get hungry, then that means it's more than just a little blip, like coffee might cause or like this might cause. So um, it's more than just a little blip if it causes hunger. Um, uh, if it does cause an insulin spike for you, you'll want to consume it 30 to 60 minutes before your first meal or your first snack or your large meal. You can take two a day. So in that regard, you can take it like sometimes I will take one three hours before I'm ending my fast. It just helps me, helps take me out of the rest of my fast. Um, then I take my second one before my big meal. And again, it helps with that fiber, that distensibility. All right, so now I'm going to talk about the ingredients. Uh, there aren't tons of ingredients, but they do each have specific purposes in the Slim Drink. The first one is the polydextrose that I mentioned, and that is the fiber. It's a natural fiber. And again, it's the only ingredient not in this other one. So this one is exactly the same as this one, except for polydextrose, which fills you up. And this one has a different prebiotic fiber in it. it uh, the polydextrose is a large plant with resistant starch. So you, that's really popular right now. Resistant starch means it doesn't have an impact on your blood sugar. It's an area of study. Some, play, some places say, you know, if you have a green banana, it is starch resistant, so it doesn't spike your insulin the same. If you have cold potatoes, like you cool them down after you cook them, it doesn't have um, the, the, you have a resistance to the starch in them. Um, so that's a pretty, pretty hot area, uh, and polydextrose is one of those uh, pre, those resistant starches. It increases prebiotic activity, so think, you know, drink this instead of eating sauerkraut. Um, it reduces caloric intake. By mixing with the water in the gut and swelling, which is all, what all fibers do for you, uh, fibrous to have less room in the stomach for food. It also has a long-term effect. This was really interesting to me because I was like, um, because now I only take one a day. But when I used it, before I learned all about this, I was like, I probably need a second one. Whereas you probably don't, won't need to unless you have like a really long eating window because the... Um, the effect of it is actually long-term. So the immediate effect is a swelling in the stomach, um, but the long-term effect is less hunger as you go, even into your next meal. So um, you think about fiber in general, and one reason why we are always told to eat fibrous vegetables and fibrous fruits is because it stays in the stomach longer, so it doesn't let you get hungry as fast. And so that is um, one of the things we're going to learn next week in episode 31. But that is one of the things that happens with Slim. The next ingredient is coffee bean extract. And this is derived from coffee that has not yet been roasted. So that's why we don't get the caffeinated effect whenever you have coffee bean extract in any form. You can even get it. You can even buy coffee bean extract, um, coffee, uh, green coffee bean uh, on um you know, Amazon or whatever, um, because it doesn't have the calories. I mean, the car caffeine. All right, it's got a higher level of chlorogenic acid compared to roasted. So you're going to get the effect of chlorogenic acid much more so in the um, 
coffee bean extract as opposed to your coffee that you drink. Um, and chlorogenic acid helps maintain healthy blood glucose, your circulating glucose. Um, and that's another reason why I don't have an effect from why I feel like I don't have an effect from taking this during the fast is because it is a, a glucose balancing product. The ingredients are all glucose balancing. And so because of that, you know, it's doing the opposite of what a spiking in insulin would do. So um, I don't have any problems with it during my fast. It also has a uh, coffee bean extract also has a thermogenic effect, which helps with fat burning. And um, again, trace caffeine has never been found in slim. All right, Garcinia, Garcinia Cambogia. This was all the rage a few years ago. They sell it at the wholesale clubs. Um, you, know, you can buy it online, just take those pills. That's another thing. All the ingredients, you know, that that you that we have in slim products like when i did the nerve one i was talking about all the b vitamins and all of the um which is which is brewing all those things that are so helpful for nerve function you can buy all of those things separately but it costs a lot more and here it's all packaged for you in one so garcinia cambogia is really really popular got very popular a few years ago as an appetite suppressant and so people as well as a um uh uh, insulin um, reducing, blood glucose monitoring, metabolizing, so forth. And so again, it's going to have that same effect. Um, it is a citrus fruit tree grown in Southeast Asia. And this, uh, in ours, it is actually extracted from the rind and it helps with appetite. It also has some trace minerals that we're usually deficient in. And again, facilitates glucose transport to the cells. Alpha-lipoic acid is a fatty acid that's naturally found um, inside every cell in the body. Um, and we actually need this um, as an antioxidant. And it's also found in Plexus Nerve, another product that I really like. Citric acid is used to flavor, and it's found in fruits. And white mulberry has a long history of medicinal use in China and Europe, uh, contains healthy promoting phytonutrients and is considered a superfood and a potent antioxidant. Stevia is what it's uh, sweetened with, and this is an herb that they're finding more and more out that it's helping. You know, we think of it as being a sweetener that we can use safely because it's not like Splenda or, um, you know, uh, aspartame, but um, it's also a plant, and so it also has a lot of plant benefits. They're finding more and more uh, that it helps with fat burning even. And so that's what it's sweetened with. It's extracted from the leaves and it has zero calories. And its color comes from the beet plant. So hopefully this has been helpful to you to see, uh, you know, another thing that might help you with your fast. Um, any of these things might help you individually. Also, fiber can definitely help you um, during the fast. And so whatever it takes for you to be successful. So thank you so much for joining me for episode 30 um, about the growling ghrelin gremlins and staying on to learn about Plexus Slim hunger control. Thanks. <laughs>